0: Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is Brooke Van Poplin. BvP, as I like to call her, co-host Hack My Life on True TV alongside Kevin Pereira, and has been seen telling jokes on At Midnight, John Oliver's New York stand-up show, and The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. She has provided her funny opinions to various VH1 and MTV series, including her work as a writer and producer on Girl Code. Can I hack her life before she hacks mine? Let's get to it! So, Brooke Van Pofflin. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. So last things first, I profiled you on the Comics Comic back in 2009, and I want to read back to you one of the answers you you gave me. When I asked you where you saw yourself five years from now, Mm -hmm. you said, quote, I picture myself writing for television and film. I love creating content and producing as much as I love performing. I also want to scare myself and dive back into some old hobbies that have been neglected over the years while I've been gung-ho about comedy. My electric guitar is really dusty.
1: <laughs>
0: so it's been six years. It
1: has been six years.
0: And you're not only writing for, you're also hosting, you're performing on TV.
1: That That is really cool. It's, it's very cool uh, to think of that. I don't think as comedians or, you know, just people in general, we take enough stock uh, in what we've accomplished. I think we're always like selfish and sad that we haven't, you know, like we're on to the next. And it's. It's really cool to think back that those were goals of mine a while back. I did sell the electric guitar though. (laughs) I needed the money a couple years ago at a stoop sale. Wow! (laughs) Probably like five years ago.
0: Did you get a good deal for it?
1: I think I managed to give someone, or managed to get someone to give me fifty bucks. It was an old, um, like a Les Paul knockoff. It was like a Japanese Les Paul knockoff. It was really rad, and it it was. (laughs) I I was so sad, but I'm like, come on, Brooke. And then. You know, I run, like funnily enough. I'm um, doing music now with Julian Villard, um, who's a singer songwriter. And we started, I like that thing. So so maybe it wasn't the electric <laughs> guitar, but I've gotten back into singing and writing music. And we do that at Union Hall once a month.
0: Oh, wow, that's that's great. Which is crazy. And you have a, another gig at Joe's Pub, too.
1: Yeah, I'm performing with him. It's it's his show that mm-hmm. I'm opening for, okay. so it's not our show, The Comfort Zone. But we have a really, really good time together. And,
0: and do you play the guitar for that?
1: I don't. Um, I'm just singing. Okay. And he is pianoing and making crazy arrangements, like d- dependent on the type of... Uh, Uh, you know, song we write, like, we're trying to avoid like a straight up pastiche or whatever that saying is. Like, we're trying not to just full on copy genres. We're trying to do original stuff, but we do seem to really like disco.
0: (laughs) Well, disco is great.
1: (laughs) Disco is great. It's it's got, it's easy to write for. I'll (laughs) say that much.
0: So when you were a little girl, little BVP Mm -hmm. uh, in Michigan, is this what you dreamed your life would be like? What was... What was little BVP thinking?
1: Um, well, yeah, I'm. I was incredibly shy, like a really, really bad wallflower. Mm-hmm. I would um, never speak up. Uh, just doing anything in front of my class, like, was just so painful. I hated it. Um, but I would. I remember, like, I have very distinct memories of wanting to eventually get over it, because I remember, like, being at a um we were like on vacation in northern Michigan and like at some fancy resort and uh, there was a magician there Mm -hmm. and he was calling kids up to come and do, you know, tricks with, to be the volunteers, and I I, I froze and my parents just kept like, come on, Brooke, put your hand, and like I I would just sit there, I was like, no, I'd rather die than go up and have people look at me, and then it was like after that moment at a young age, I was like, I will figure out (laughs) how to get on stage. I, I don't know I, I was just panicked at the idea of anyone paying attention to anything I did I just hated attention
0: so what did you want to be then a librarian a, I, sub, a hermit I, I wanted to be
1: wanna? a music historian just okay. something I was I was really big into being like a passionate fan of other people's talent like I was a big you know what they call the shadow artist you know mm. so it was always like dating guys in bands instead of like ever really dusting off my guitar <laughs> like Following other people around who I thought were incredibly talented. Right. And then Yeah, it, it was it was in my early twenties that I finally got the balls to like try
0: something. Oh see, and, I'm kind of the reverse. I, I was a performer and now I'm more of a shadower.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and but that's like a term from uh, the a, artist way. I'm a
0: stage dad. Stage dad. <laughs> or stage uncle <laughs> from the side, going, what go, a... comedy
1: code. Yay! <laughs> But I mean, I think it's important at some point to realize like what you're good at and mm-hmm. what your gift is and how you can contribute. And I think it's a big deal to have someone like you always covering comedy because I think you are one of the best. Well, you're, you're let's... very unbiased. I really you write very fairly about comedy. It's it's just really great. Oh well, thank you. You do
0: well. Let's talk about you some more. Sure. then. So who who was the first comedian you saw who kind of switched that light bulb for you and and made you go, well, maybe I could. Maybe I could get over this fear. Maybe after listening to this person on a record or a CD or eight track or seeing them on TV that you're like, oh, maybe I could do that. It was um,
1: when the Upright Citizens Brigade was a show on Comedy Central that I was like, wow, they're weird. Because I was like a real kids in the hall sort of girl, too. And UCB was I was like, these guys are fucking nuts. Yeah, They're, they're just so out there. And um God, that was college and I was probably like 21 or something like that when that was on the air. And I loved, um, Amy Poehler's character was just so bizarre and brassy and funny and I just right. hadn't seen a lot of um, female sketch players up to that point like get that weird. She was just straight up, down and dirty, weird characters and I loved it. And um, so I just, that aside, it was like, well wow, could I ever write anything like that? How do I even begin? And before I ever took an improv class, um, I was almost gonna move to New York City for a summer session because they had something called like the gorilla Training. UCB theater was like brand new at right. the time. I couldn't get the money together. but I went and there, there was like, I, like barely use the internet still at this point. So I was like gathering information. and I really wanted to do it. and New York City just seemed, too scary but that show and that idea that you could sign up for improv classes kind of planted the seed in my head so I, I waited uh, a little about another year or so and then decided uh, Chicago was a much more natural move
0: because you went to college at Michigan State, Michigan State yeah and what were you mm-hmm. studying
1: what wasn't I studying Sean I dropped <laughs> well, they,
0: they said something on your degree something,
1: yeah oh there's no degree there's oh, no degree I okay. went to school for six years didn't get a degree, moved around a little too much, dropped out, would come back, dropped out again. Bill,
0: Bill Gates never got a college degree and he you know, turned out okay.
1: My co-host on the show too, brilliant, Kev, I love him. No, no college degree. I was like, there's something just interesting to this though because we both at a very young age really got into what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely went to school a lot but I just never focused up. I quit before um, I got close to, uh, I was maybe like 30 credits shy.
0: Do you ever think about going back?
1: I have, but God, I mean, I kind of don't care. I'm doing exactly (laughs) what I want to do. Like, I ended up being who I want to be in a roundabout way.
0: Okay, so let's talk about how you got from from that quitting college to where you want to be. So did you go directly from Michigan to Chicago?
1: I did. I uh, Like, one of my old friends from college um, was back in Michigan. It's like we both... (laughs) and like I don't know what we were doing we were both back in Michigan for the summer uh, 22 like college was I mean she had her degree I was just like I'm done (laughs) and uh, we were putzing around back in the metro Detroit suburbs and we were both so bored she was depressed and I was like you want to move to Chicago with me? And she was just like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> so I convinced her to back up her life. She had no idea why she was moving to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I was like, just come. She's like, all right. And uh, I knew that I was going, like we got there in September or something and I knew that like October 1st or something like that, I started, uh, I would be starting at Olympic. Okay. Dan Backadall was my first teacher. I love him. Oh, very nice. He's great. Still one of my favorites.
0: Now, how did you, how did you pick IO? Was it?
1: My friend Susie Second. Barrett, she's, mm. she's an actress, comedian, improviser. She's great. You'd recognize her from commercials for sure. But um, she had gone out there maybe two years prior to that, and then she had done Boom Chicago in Amsterdam and was coming back. And, you know, I think because she was a theater major that I was like, oh, well, okay, If you if you go to college for – acting then you can do improv and she's like no dummy you can just pay money you just pay money to take an improv class and <laughs> they so will
0: accept your american they will, dollars like, they
1: sure will and um then it got real and scary because that was sort of the excuse i was telling myself is that i'd really screwed myself too because i didn't do you know study mm-hmm. theater in college or something and i was like wait i can just show up and give them my money so then i was like fuck i gotta do it now so
0: that first class with dan back Oh, my God. Uh, who, uh, who else was in that class? Anybody who's I'm gone on to comedy or a bunch of think. people in insurance and real estate who are just trying to be funny at work?
1: I do think for a hot minute I was in a class somewhere or definitely um, very young in his career and we were on teams that used to perform at other theaters together, but like Jordan Klepper. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I would need to reintroduce myself to him because um, he... I think, stayed in Chicago or did L.A. for a bit, and now he's back here. Right. now he's in New York. In New York. The Daily Show. Um, but, uh, gosh, yeah, th- I mean, there are just so many people. I'd have to, th- like, I'd have to think, but yeah, there were some, like, people who are now, like, total power players, but, um, yeah, like John Lutz and Peter Gross, and I- I've stayed friends with those guys Um, since we, c- I- Pete and I kind of moved here around the same time, okay. so, you know, but he went straight into, um, you know working on Colbert and now he's with the new show
0: yeah
1: um, and that stuff but uh shoot I remember the first day of class me yeah. and this other guy who I really liked to is so funny uh, I was a part of two people who showed up for a first day of class so hungover that we kept leaving <laughs> improv uh, to go throw up in the bathroom loudly like mm. I would come back and then he'd be like excuse me and then go throw up and uh, so it was you know, I was a little wilder back then.
0: Did you Did you? Did you blame it on nerve, stage nerves? Or, well, no, or I did think, you go, no, I'm hungover? I, I think
1: that didn't help. I think I was so desperate to look cool that I would rather be like, I'm hungover dudes, instead of ever cop to the fact that I was definitely really, really nervous.
0: Now, how long did it take you to get over that?
1: I still get pretty terrified. I, I get really bad um, before most things. uh my brain just scrambles. Mm. I I don't know if I have a little ADD issue or what, but it's, um, it, it like, everything usually works out, but mm. I've had a couple weird brain farts uh, in the middle of performance where my brain just shuts down. And uh, I've done that in front of a few people very few times, but um, yeah, I just get this very overwhelming, can't think straight feeling. And then it ends up being okay
0: so when you when you perform now, do you have like a preset routine for like the last thing you do before the host calls your name?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You know what I realized um a lot of these situations, I felt really uh overwhelmed before the nightly show this past Monday. Mm-hmm. And I realized it's different in that, like, that and at midnight and a few other things or, like, um, any of the late night things where you're in the green room, a million people come in to talk to you, give you papers, like, you might have a friend, your manager there, other friends who want to be there, and they're all in your green room with you, like, laughing, having a great time, and (laughs) you're like, oh, my God, get out of here. Like, it is not personal. I just realized that I might need to go to these things alone from now. I mean now i feel comfortable like if i did the nightly show again i know what to expect so i don't think it would be such a panic situation but i need i need a minute like by myself to center myself before i go on stage and when i don't get that i get i get
0: really panicky how do you how do you accomplish that when it's just a regular stand-up show and there's no cameras
1: um regular stand-up show no cameras i just if i have to leave um the room where the show is Mm -hmm. i usually go like if i know i got 10 minutes then i step out to just go be by myself or if there's a backstage area i step away from like the other comedians in the green room um basically i'm no fun to talk to before most shows i'm all you know (laughs) nope i know i'm just i'm literally like excuse me i have to go have nervous diarrhea and then be by myself for a little bit
0: now see i can identify with that it's the comedian's who are just jovial and talking with people and then not even paying attention, and then their name is called and they snap right into their act. I know. Like, How did that, how did did they do that?
1: I I admire them because, I mean, it just depends. Um, But I'm a writer, you know? Uh, And as much as, like, I mean, they're all writers, too, so, I mean, I guess that doesn't let me (laughs) off the hook or make me special, but, like, uh, I think maybe there's just a real ease with themselves where, like, stand-up is still something that... um, you know, I'm like, I can't believe I do this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it, it takes a little bit more from me. Yet, like I was in an acting class this week. And as much as that sounds scary, and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't brushed up in a class and he years. Like I crushed. <laughs> I like was just they gave us scenarios with no scripts. Mm-hmm. And I was just on stage improvising with people I'd never met before doing like totally dramatic scenes. And I was just I just felt really free. I think it's just I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. It's weird. I love doing it. And, um, when I'm having a great time, I love to improvise and move around, but yeah, just pre-show. I'm just always very, um, inward.
0: And you started in improv. Mm-hmm. So stand up wasn't a thought until when?
1: Yeah, it maybe, a little bit, maybe almost a year into improv. I managed to get on a few teams. Um, at a few different theaters, uh, really, really enjoyed the Second City Conservatory program. That was just phenomenal. And then stand-up kind of started creeping into my life because I lived, I had to walk by every time I would come home from a class or something else. I'd have to walk by this famous Chicago place called uh, The Lion's Den, which is no more. Okay, It's the open mic where everybody started. So like, you know... Um, like Kamel and uh, Kyle Canain and TJ and Jared Logan, Nick Vatterat, uh like everybody. We were all there in the early 2000s. And um, it was crazy because about 50 people would show up every Monday night. And um, it drew a huge crowd. You know, you get your four minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just, like I'd heard rumblings of it. So I went to watch it two times. And I think I got infuriated that there were no women performing. <laughs> that literally there was like. Out of 50
0: people, there were no women?
1: There was, at the time, um, my friends who were very funny, uh, Hattie Snyder and Cara Buller. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. And then um, uh, maybe a few people who would pop in and out who weren't as regular, but like Cara and Hattie were, I'm like, okay, these are like the heavy hitting females. So two out of 50. <laughs> and um, I just kind of realized, I've like it really made me feel like I had something to say and um, watching it, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be the best, but there's no way I'm gonna be the worst, because there were some pretty, pretty (laughs) bad people. So it was sort of, there was a little uh, cushion there to feel like I could do this and get away with something.
0: It's fun to see how much bad stand-up can inspire good stand-ups to get into the game.
1: (laughs) I was like, someone has to do something about this, you know. This can't
0: be what it is,
1: right? And I'm like, and I'm like, all right. And these women are rapping; they're they're doing a good job. But I'm like, but there also seems like there's room for another (laughs) female voice. Uh, So, what
0: were you doing for work at the time in Chicago? Uh,
1: Just constantly getting fired from every cafe.
0: Um,
1: Seriously, it's kind of a joke. I'm working on a potential book proposal from okay. like all the places I've been fired from and I've had so many jobs but all like service industries, so like cafes, bars mm. and restaurants. Also uh, like bagging weird edibles, herbs and definitely weed for um, this major music producer who mm. like produced a lot.
0: Okay. <laughs> a and you got, did you get fired from that too?
1: Um, I think what happened is I actually willfully left that one because there were a bunch of my coworkers were taking um, peyote like on the job and they'd been like tripping for like three days and he also had cats so
0: i was really that sounds counterproductive
1: (laughs) it was was like 20 bucks an hour though to just sit there and bag illegal whatevers
0: what do you put on Um, your taxes for that (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) under the table sean (laughs) so what was your last what was your last job that wasn't comedy related
1: my last job yeah okay so kind of like my um my swan song, if you will, in the service industry, anyways. um, And I was really proud of myself uh, because I knew that I wasn't quite ready to make a jump to stand up full time or I hadn't really landed a writing thing yet. Um, So I was like, if I'm gonna be a waitress, I wanna work in Brooklyn, I wanna work at a place that I actually like with cool people. Cause you know, like maybe eight years ago, if you started to notice like you'd go to restaurants and you're like I can't tell who the waiters are because they're dressed like civilians and I was like I want to work in one of
0: those <laughs> I could just, just roll like, in from exactly. what I was wearing
1: well you had there was a dress code but mm. I liked the casualness of it being like because I you know I'm a part time foodie like I love you know stuff like that I had ghost written stuff for Padma Lakshmi and like some of, you know, interesting jobs. Who books that gig? (laughs) I was walking down, she lives in this neighborhood really close by, but um, uh, I I just, I wanted to have a civilized waiting job Mm -hmm. where I didn't feel, less than as a waiter. And it was really cool because I found the perfect spot because they really took pride in us as servers and they armed us with a lot of knowledge. So I like learned a lot about wine, a lot about food. And I left them on good terms, like my only job. Hmm. And I left because I started um, getting too many writing gigs.
0: I was going to say- and It was what...
1: beautiful. It was just a beautiful, like, I did it. That felt like a degree. What, so
0: what was the gig that you got that made you go, okay- I can do this full-time,
1: though. Right. So I had been, even when I was blogging full-time for a really decent salary for the um, True TV Dumb as a Blog okay. blog forever ago, I still waited brunch on Sundays because I was scared it would all go away.
0: So you needed and to I, hang on to something as a I wanted to backup. Be on,
1: yep, I wanted to be on the schedule at the restaurant still. And then it was a beautiful thing um, when that kind of dried up. And then um, I was writing doing a little bit for Padma and Elizabeth Hasselback, funny enough. Mm. Um, and then, oh, okay, uh, writing for Nikki and Sarah's pilot for Nikki for, and Sarah Live MTV. on MTV. And then um, I got a short-term gig as a contributing producer for Guy Code, which means writing, but they're always hiding from the guild, so it's a contributing producer. Right.
0: <laughs> the joys of Viacom yeah. and right. Permalance and yep. all that stuff. All
1: that stuff. And um and it it wasn't you know I I basically was praying for a tax return to come like it wasn't just like I'm rolling in money and it got down to the I mean but I was like I'm gonna fucking make it happen you know <laughs> and um dude you know it was like the phase when I was like all right I'm just gonna open one more credit card mm-hmm. and then um luckily I I I actually landed then after that um a guild writing job which was great money and then it's been pretty good since then
0: so when did you get. What guild? I guess Writers Guild first. Mm-hmm. And what what was the gig that got you into the guild?
1: That was philosophy. Um, oh, a, I remember ph- that. Yeah, with, with Hasan Minhaj, Hassan and yeah, now on the Daily, Daily show, show. You're welcome, Hassan. <laughs> I was such a big advocate of his, and um, you know, and in philosophy, in retrospect, like it had all the makings to be a good show. Like at midnight, mm-hmm. it's just. It was MTV wanted a show that was more like evergreen that had like internet crap from like two years ago as opposed to At Midnight keeping it fresh playing games topical which I love you know and their Emmys like that's awesome you know so that lasted one season you know but it's amazing writing jokes for a game show and you're like this is a lot of money this is not joke money you know right so it was great and then it just kind of like the jobs at MTV kept coming it was cool
0: That is cool. And uh, so have you, I know you went on tour this past summer with Jen Kirkman.
1: Mini, very mini Mini tour. tour. But yes, uh
0: uh-huh. Had you done much road work? No,
1: I don't. Like before I moved to New York, I Mm -hmm. tried it a little bit because when I was married, I had a car Mm. (laughs) and my husband. Ah,
0: marriage memories. I
1: know, right? He'd let me borrow it or we'd both get booked and go down together Mm -hmm. or whatever and, um, I mean, I think I did a gig in like Ohio and a few one-nighter clubs um, in Indiana, which by all rights were fun because they were in college towns, so they were fun, they were cool. I just kinda like, it's a, it's a lonely world out there, uh, especially as a lone female. Like, I feel good in my career as a female now, but you feel like the clock really turns back when you go in the middle of the country to some clubs mm-hmm. who are like, you the white staff, what you doing here? Like you get treated really odd by people who can't believe that you're a headliner.
0: So road work isn't something you're seeking out I at this point.
1: I think, and you yeah. know what, and it's just my experience. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make a blanket right. statement about it, but I know a lot of other girlfriends who do this who fully agree. And it's more like I'd rather do the rock clubs, um, not to say that some of those bookers are much mm-hmm. better either. Like They're crazy. Some of them are even crazy to Jen, you know, and she's a big draw. And um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm more like, can I get into a cool festival, or can I do like a really cool, like you know, open for someone else at a theater? Like right. that's kind of my idea of the road is like doing <laughs> two gigs and then going home.
0: <laughs> so how does that compare to say performing in a tattoo parlor? I know <laughs> what she did for the IFC's web series.
1: God, that was. That is, um, I mean, it it cut to be a very funny video for sure. But um, wow, that was bizarre. Um, As bad as my improv troupe, who someone in our improv troupe in Mm -hmm. like 2003 booked us a gig in like a deli. That had like a little section with like three booths and someone was like, so No, so Most
0: it's... delis don't have even a room to perform. It. In
1: Chicago they do. Oh. And someone decided this was a place where an improv show should happen. <laughs> and um this was as mortifying. But I knew that this would cut together like it felt bad, mm-hmm. but I kept saying to myself, It's gonna look funny. I hope. I still watch it and I'm like, God, that was gnarly.
0: <laughs> did, did did any how much of these life lessons came in handy when you, when you're when you're talking to the American Chopper guy.
1: <laughs> you're like just digging and, up all, all and that. You're like, Brooke, here's a retrospective of your career from 2009. Uh, teach. Him. I have no idea. I ended up like doing some big benefit um, like in Poughkeepsie mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, I came and did stand up and he did an appearance and I. Uh, I think we crashed somewhere out that way and it was like it got weird. I realized I was partying with a bunch of like old bikers like yeah. his friends and I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel safe. <laughs> and Me and like another producer, my friend, we were like, all right, um it's been it's been real, but uh we got to get out of here. But He's you, a totally nice guy, but weird.
0: But you got gigs at it. I mean, you get screen time on it was, cable out of it
1: was really cool because I think that was my first. Um, I think other than I remember I was like yes, like I got a few like you know you get your first like VH1 Talking Head thing, right. which is I think just a rite of passage in New York City, which I don't know if like it exists anymore. I don't know what Talking Head shows are on there anyhow,
0: but I think there's, there's always there's probably something I guess. Yeah.
1: But um, so like it was kind of like that crept up and that was very exciting. Which led to a very high-profile TV guide channel
0: mm-hmm. uh, talking head. Yeah, thing. see, there's always one somewhere. There
1: is always one somewhere, and then I think you know the the cool thing was like, wow, like I'm gonna be in like two episodes of <laughs> American Chopper, <laughs> but it was fun to be a comedy coach. Like, mm-hmm. you know, someone was like, "Could you play an expert?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess. I mean, I know more than he does.
0: Wouldn't call myself an expert, but so so, do you not go on auditions on the regular, um, or do you?
1: It's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, it's something that's why it's a, it's a sensitive topic. Um, oh. Well, it has to be approached in a real specific way. Mm-hmm. And I realized after talking to one or two people who are friends and also work on that side of the business mm-hmm. um, that it, like you have to approach it really specifically. And if you aren't doing like three specific things, no one's going to know that you like to audition for television sort of thing. So I'm actually kind of excited. I've gotten everything lined up. So that people know this mm-hmm. is something I really like to do because I write roles for myself. Um, I used to do theater and sketch and improv, and right. I'm, ba- I'm back in like a, a really cool, really fun, scary acting class just to you know shake shake myself out of my um, I don't know my funk lately. And um, so yeah, it's it's literally been um, I think a big miscommunication okay. uh, on my part that
0: be like, no, I want to do pilot season. I want to
1: yeah, completely. I want to be
0: in a Phone commercial uh. yeah,
1: and and the, and the thing is like, um UCB form UCB performers have like a really great thing in mm-hmm. that, like if you are a student there and you're on teams and whatever you get featured on their website, and casting directors just go straight to the UCB you know, actor website. right? And look so, up a performer headshots So, right, right. Like if you're not necessarily with an agency, but you're with UCB, mm-hmm. you can get a lot of gigs that way. And as this kind of lone wolf stand up, like I'm with neither of those things. So okay. I have to be really tactical about letting people know that this is what I
0: want to do. So how did Hack My Life come about?
1: That's so great. Uh, it, it's my my friend Kemp, who I don't know if you saw the Bindle Brothers blow up on the New York Times this Uh, past weekend in the style section. I haven't
0: caught up with it, no. Oh, it's
1: really funny. He's getting so much attention. Um, Kemp, Baldwin, and I produce a lot of stuff together, and um, we've been friends for a little bit, but prior to me uh, being as good of a friend and much of a business partner, um, he asked me to be in his Don't Walk web series that uh, Max Silvestri was the main character in. Then it turned out we were neighbors, and then he was working at the uh, production company who was gonna make uh, Hack My Life? And he's like, hey, do you know anything about life hacks? And oddly enough, I did because I'd been called in for like two other weird auditions regarding them. Oh, okay. Um, luckily, didn't get either of those, and they were web series, so good. Oh, I see. Um, and yeah, so I kind of had like a good little know how and spiel. So I went into the audition, and also not fully knowing like this was gonna be like a full blown TV show. Um, but, yeah, I auditioned, had a blast, brought, I think, some real enthusiasm to the hosting part of it, mm-hmm. you know. But there are a few hacks that I can convince myself, I think, are pretty cool.
0: <laughs> well, one of the questions I ask each one of my guests is the last great piece of advice they've received. Mm-hmm. And your show is all about doling out great advice. So what's the yeah. last great, great hack that you've been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this in my life on on a regular basis now?
1: Um. <sighs> It's it's such an overwhelming show. There's so much information, right. um, and I always pick the most mundane ones because I do get asked this a lot, and I keep telling myself, Brooke, you better pick some answers so you don't sound so boring,
0: right?
1: When people ask you, um, but don't lie. I won't lie. I like all the I like all the food related ones. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really fun. Anything where you can cut corners in the kitchen because um, I do try and cook as much as possible uh, at home. So I'm always like, yay, like. <laughs> You want me to get more specific than that? Well, is there
0: is there a guiding principle in your life that's that you've recently introduced and you're like, okay, this is, this is gonna this is gonna make everything better now?
1: Yeah, I mean, like hacks aside, her, yeah. like l- hack my life is such a fun job. It was a surprising job that mm-hmm. I got, but I think I'm doing a good job towing the line of of uh, giving them what they want in terms of the hacks, but also um, feeling like I get to be my goofy like representative of my comedian funny self. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't know that was going to happen for me. So it's, it's one of those jobs where you're like, OK, fun. Yeah, I'll do it. But um, seemed a little out of left field. But it's been really great. Um, I guess best advice is from a Lucius song. Mm-hmm. Do you like them? They're really good. I don't know. I love Lucius. <sighs> I'd like to open for them. If they listen to the Comics Comic yeah. podcast. I want to open for you, Lucius. Uh, they have a song lyric that I love that I'm thinking about. Either just you know maybe a little tattoo somewhere hidden. I mm-hmm. like the uh, the lyrics are there is no race only a runner so put one foot in front of the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You Get it?
0: You gotta keep moving forward.
1: Yep. It's just you, okay? It's yeah. you. Don't worry about what the you know just let let the riffraff fall to the wayside.
0: You do you mm-hmm. and keep moving. Exactly. Nice. So what do you so what do you tell an aspiring performer slash comedian who comes up to you and goes Brooke? how do you do that? I want to, I want to do that. I want to do this. What do, what's the, fr- what's the first thing you generally tell anybody who, who bum rushes you for sure? This? Well, I, other s- than go away.
1: Yeah. I'm certainly not <laughs> getting like bum rushed per se. Um, but I used to, you know, I would pick out comedians a little older um, in their careers mm-hmm. who were like, when I was young, I'd pick out someone about five years like ahead of me and who was, were doing like some entry level TV things or getting more commercial. And, um, It felt a little weird, but I was like, well, I'm not going to pretend like I'm just sucking up to them as a friend. They like me and I like them, but I'm going to say, hey, can I take you to lunch? And while we're at this lunch, uh, can I please pick your brain about like commercial auditions or something? And that always worked really well. And people were always so wonderful and nice about being like, yeah, great. No problem. And then just gave me tons of helpful information. So um, I do get I do get stuff like that um, from younger comedians, and just in terms of how do you get your web series off the ground, or who do you use, and right. you know. So anytime I can give um, either like a great resource, you know, it's it's amazing how much you don't know that's like literally just out there for the taking. I just learned more stuff about the whole acting things. Like you can show up for these um, seminars and basically just pay for them, and they're legit. <laughs> <laughs> you just like. <laughs> I mean, they all sound so cheesy and like, like what? You're just getting fleeced in New York City. And it's no, it's a very legitimate way to uh, read some lines, put yourself on tape, do a monologue for like a cat. It's like a cattle call of actors. And then next thing you know, you can start getting called in. So yeah. I was like, oh, that, that's not like a secret, you know, like that's. <laughs> no,
0: you just have to do it. You just have to do it. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah.
1: Well, I think the other and sorry, I think the other thing I have to tell people too is like, um, you're going to have to spend money. <laughs> For some things. You just will.
0: Right. You have to put in the investment. Mm -hmm, You do. If you want to see the return.
1: Yep. And I recently started doing that in the past couple years and I haven't regretted it.
0: Well, I I certainly don't regret (laughs) you coming in here (laughs) and allowing me to pick your brain. So thank you so much. You're
1: welcome. Good talking to you, Sean. Yay. All
0: right. (laughs) This episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brezel at Showbird Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. For more interviews, reviews, and comedy news, become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening.
1: things first.